Okay, now we have a quorum. Good evening. Are, are you warm enough? Good, 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 good. Where's, where's Pastor Jim? Pastor Jim, where is, where is Claire, Michigan? Claire, Michigan. Show us. Okay. You understand Michigan is like a hand, right? It is. But this is, this is where the bridge is. The bridge that goes to the UP. And this is Indiana. And I live right there. Okay, right on, right on the knuckle. It's 150 miles to the bridge and 150 miles to Indiana. It's a, it's a little over 100 miles to the west coast and 100 miles to the east coast. I live right in the middle of the state. Just in the middle of everything. Yep. Pretty well-rounded guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if you weren't here in chapel last night, Pastor Jim Young is the preacher of the evening. He graduated from... Uh, Nazarene Bible College in 1985, served in a church in Michigan and then Kentucky, and then moved to Clare, Michigan in 1992. He's been there since. In that time, in a town of about 3,000, in a county of about 30,000, the Clare, Michigan Church of the Nazarene has grown in its outreach, in its impact on the county, at least based on worship numbers from 70 to 750. And if you take the time, and actually I think it'd be worth it, I know it would be worth it, if you take the time to go visit the Clare Michigan Church in Nazarene website, you'll see that they are touching people right where they are. Um, it's just evident from the pictures they put on there. It's evident from the kinds of things that they're doing and the kinds of ministries that they're involved in and the way that they, the way that they, get, they get at that. You can feel the heart of the church in the pictures and the, and the descriptions on their website. So that's why Pastor Jim's here. Uh, uh, we wanted you to have a chance to get to know him, uh, to become acquainted with him. He understands what it means to, be, to do homework on nights when it's two below. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Stand and say our prayer with me. No problem. We're start. We're starting a little behind, so we owe you five minutes. All right, just so you know. Okay, let's let's say our prayer. Hear my Lord, restore me. One more time. Hear my Lord, restore me. It's one of the words you've given us to praise you. It tells us who you are and what you're like and what you call us to be. Holy is the Lamb. We give you praise. Give you praise for that reality and praise for all that you have for us. Again, help us to hear your word through our brother, your servant, for your sake and the sake of those who don't know you yet. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Shouldn't we be taking an offering right now? I mean, it just don't feel right, does it? I mean, you know, in church, you're supposed to take an offering. You know, I just, it's amazing, isn't it? All right. Don't you just like to drive, you know, the professors a little crazy once in a while? Some of them don't have far to go. But anyway, it's one of those things. John chapter 12. I better hurry. I have no, I have no, I, I, no thought of time. Oh, good. I'm a pastor. <laughs> You'll learn that. 
They teach that in your senior year. It's called No Time 101. You'll get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, when you start falling asleep when you're preaching, it is time to go home. <laughs> John 12. Stand with me just quickly in honor of the Lord's Word. Again, reading from the... Uh, this is an interesting story to me. And, it, and when I thought about it, you know, as I, as I tried to share... I brought a 40-minute sermon I'm going to do in 15 minutes. How is that working for you? Okay. Some Greeks, verse 12. Excuse me, verse 20. Uh, John 12, verse 20. Some Greeks who had uh, come to Jerusalem to attend the Passover paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee. And they said, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. When I first started the ministry... I made a plaque and had that embedded on the pulpit. Every Sunday when I got up in front of the people that God had challenged me to pastor, I was reminded that they were not there to see Jim Young. They were there to see Jesus. Do you get it? And so Philip, and, <laughs> Philip went and he got, told Andrew about it and they went together to get Jesus. Father, your word is true. Use it tonight to your glory that we might honor you in all things. And these are your servants that we've prayed for just a little bit ago around this room and around this altar, trusting in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, when I study this, I, I, I realize that there's the possibility that these Greeks saw Philip hanging around with Jesus. But then I had another idea. Could it be that Philip had spent enough time with Jesus that when they saw Philip, they knew that he had been with Jesus? Oh, I like that idea. The fact is that I can tell you today, when you get ready to go out in the pastorate, there will be so many things that want to take your time, and I don't care whether you're a lay person, or whether you're going to be a pastor, or even professors, things can take our time until we not do not spend the time with Jesus like we should, and because of that, it shows up a little bit later, and so, so you need to spend time with Jesus. You, you get it? So I believe what I read is that all of a sudden, those Greeks, they saw something in Philip that said, hey, there's one of those guys. He looks like he's been with Jesus. Let's go ask him. Don't you want to be that kind of person? I mean, I can tell you can have all the knowledge in the world, and you can be a great preacher, and, you know, I found out you don't have to be a great preacher because I aren't one. You just have to love people. I found out if you love them, they just tolerate you. It's all good. I want to tell you about my call first, and, and, because here's what I know. You'll find, since you've been here, your call's already been challenged, hasn't it? Can I get a witness on that deal right there? Can I get an amen? amen. Okay. Well, even the professor's amen. There you go. I want to tell you, it seemed like from day one, I, I got to tell this little bit of this story. My wife, I used to be a heathen, okay? My wife determined, she grew up in the church of the Nazarene, and she determined she was going to marry a heathen because she knew that if she married somebody from the church, she would get, that they would end up in the pastorate. How's that working for her right now? <laughs> she never counted on God getting me saved. I mean... How far away can you get from God? You just can't. And I'll never forget it when I, when I felt that we was doing revival, we was having revival at our church, and I was praying and fasting for lost people, and, and I, I wasn't called to preach because I was a special ed reading speech in English all the way through school. How's that for you? 
And when I feel, and I hated people, I don't like to hang around people. Do you know when God calls you in the ministry, you have to hang around people? <laughs> you, cannot grow, you cannot grow people at a computer or texting them on the phone. You literally have to be involved in their life. So when I felt God called me to, to preach, I, I said, you know, I didn't tell Jenny, she's scared to death that we're going to go in the ministry. I didn't know this until after we was at Bible college. She told me that story. That's a good thing because that would have given me a real good reason to say, no, I ain't going. <laughs> Every day at noon, I worked in an oil field in southern Illinois, and I would go out to this certain place in the woods, and there was a stump out there, and I was reading that Isaiah 6. Do not read Isaiah 6. You will be called to preach. <laughs> it is in there, and if you read it, you've got it. I was out there and I was praying and fasting for lost souls. Not for me. It isn't about me. It was about others. What I like about that story was in the beginning, God wasn't talking to Isaiah. God was speaking in heaven. He allowed Isaiah to listen in. Do you remember how it goes? I'm out there and I'm down by that stump and I'm praying and I'm fasting and I'm reading and I hear, whom shall we send? But one of us in here, Lord. <laughs> Who's going to go for us? Wrong guy. I gave God a list of eight people I knew could have done the job. You know what I'm talking about? That revival wasn't about lost people. It was about Jim Young settling the question. Will you accept my call? And I said... You understand I have to hang around with people? Yeah. You understand I don't read well and I never really did good in speech? Yeah. How's that working for you right now? I'll take care of that. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to take the home study course because what I thought is you could take that for eight years and go through it, you know? <laughs> And I could have stayed with my job. I worked for Texaco. I had a great, I would be, this is my year to retire. How's that working for me with a four-year-old at home? <laughs> anyway, it was wild. I mean, I was trying to settle the issue of where to go to Bible college or home study course. And I was leading the singing on a Wednesday night. And, 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 and I said, let's sing the first, second, and last stanza. And we got done with the second verse. I went to the third verse and everybody went with me. And God said, see there, Jim, they'll follow you even if you're wrong. <laughs> that helped me settle my question and go to Bible college. I wanted to make sure that I understood the scriptures well enough that I make sure I'm right in what I do. You understand? Don't, don't tweak it and take it down. They'll teach you how to do it right. They may not teach you how to preach, but they can teach you the word and God will take care of the rest of that. Amen. I'm pretty sure of that. I settled that and I'll tell you, when I went home and told my wife, I sat her down on the bed and I sit her on the bed and I started bawling and blubbering like an idiot and she goes, you've been called to preach, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. She was pregnant. We came to Bible, I came to Bible college with two kids and a pregnant wife. And everything I could load in the back of my pickup truck and a trailer and my car. Been there, done that, ain't you? And then had to find some place to live. I guarantee you, 
your call's already been challenged. My pastor was a Nazarene Bible College graduate who had came when I felt the call, and it was kind of neat because we got to talking about it. He kept trying to encourage me to go to Bible College, and I kept saying, but the home study course is so beautiful. When we made the decision to pack up and come to Nazarene Bible College, I'll never forget it. And you won't either, will you? I got out here, I was talking to Kenny earlier, and I said, I got out here and I couldn't get a job. Man, I've never not had a job. All my savings had to disappear first. Once my savings disappeared, the next week I got a job. <laughs> How's that working for you? I went from $13 an hour to four and a quarter. I'm telling you, I was rich. <laughs> Those struggles at Bible college, they're, not, they're, there, they're there to help us and to shape us and mold us and make us better pastors. At the time you go through them, though, you hate them and you, and you just think, I can't do this. There's no way. They're too hard. Our first Christmas here was the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. We had nothing, and no one at this campus knew we had nothing. I believe in paying my bills. We didn't have credit cards or charge-all cards. I, don't, I didn't do that. It was the first time I ever sat my little kids down and said to them, I said, there'll be no Christmas this year because, not because of God. But God knew he was going to have Christmas. I'll tell you, God built character in this old boy. He taught me how to love on people. There was a few of them you'd like to strangle once in a while. Amen? Can I get a witness on that? Aren't there some right here, you know, you, want, you read that scripture that says, smite you on one cheek and turn the other, and after that it's left up to your interpretation? <laughs> Oops. I didn't learn that here. I struggled while I was here because I didn't, I didn't study when I was in school, and they expect you to study at this school. <laughs> It was hard, but I had a professor. When I think about this message about, sir, can we see Jesus? I had one, there was a lot of professors, but the one in particular one that I hooked up with it, I can tell you, I know he spent time with Jesus. His name was Floyd Perkins. When Dr. Perkins would come into his class and teach his class, his wife Libby was dying. And he'd walk into class and go, how you boys doing? No, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Your wife's dying, man. Yeah, but you know I'm here to teach you. And I watched, I watched Jesus in Floyd Perkins. I had another professor to tell me I should probably go home. Told me to pack my stuff up and go home because I didn't know how to punctuate sentences. Now I can give you a piece of advice. Do not do what I did. I wrote an eight-page paragraph. <laughs> With, listen, with no punctuation, three lines at the end filled with commas, periods, and said, put them where you want them. <laughs> he is no longer at this school right now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> do not do what I just told you. <laughs> it will challenge your call to preach. I mean, who stands up and goes, and the Lord said, comma? I don't know. I don't. I understand we need that. Don't, don't shoot the messenger. 
<laughs> but I guarantee you, if you love people, they'll excuse your commas and your exclamation marks and your incredibly stupid statements that you make and they record every time you make them. If there is not a sound system at the church you go to, don't get one. I could tell a lot of our professors had been with Jesus. Now you understand they're humans just like the rest of us and they can get busy and maybe they don't spend as much time. And I say that, I'm not talking about studying the Word or studying to give a lesson. I'm talking about quality time spent alone with Jesus, getting to know who He is in your life and what He expects from you. Does that make sense? Because I'm going to tell you, when you get out there, you think it's tough here. That's why I'm glad I came about it. It taught me. It didn't teach me how to be a pastor, but it taught me how to survive in the ministry because the ministry is a tough place. And it's, it's tougher today than it was 26 years ago when I started. We go through a cycle of culture change every 10 years. I'm in my third culture change, and it's going to change by the time you get out. You'll be texting your messages to everybody in the seat. I'm just kidding. Here it is. You know, we talked about people seeing, you know, that you see Jesus clearly, or you see the people clearly. And I say that because people often will challenge your call to preach. If you're not settled in your call to preach, in fact, if I could say this to you tonight, if you can do anything else, do it. Because if there's a doubt at all that you should be doing what you're doing, then you probably shouldn't do it. And I don't mean that hard, I'm just telling you, because when you go to your first church and you think, and you know what they do? This is what people do. They go, oh, we love you, pastor. And when you leave, they go, we can't do without you. And the new guy comes, oh, we love you, man. They love every preacher that comes. They've loved the 30 before you and they'll love the 30 after you. I was the fifth, I was the fifth pastor in four years in one of my churches. I stayed two years. My call has been challenged many times. When my son got arrested, Father's Day. Nice Father's Day present, isn't it? Should I stay in the ministry or should I not? It just happened two years ago. I've been in the ministry 23 years. I just well quit. Man can't keep his own house. My son's 36 years old. There'll be a lot of things in your life that's going to challenge your call. You better know you've settled it. And the only way to keep that settled is you have to spend time with Jesus. If you won't spend time with Him, your call will go in and out and up and down. And, and you know what? You'll find yourself. And, and the guys I graduated with and the ladies, I, I, I can tell you if we'll go check the records, I, uh, nearly 80% or more of them are not in the ministry today. Okay? I want, you to, I want you to survive to the test of time. I want you to have as much fun as I have. I mean, I have more fun than anybody I know. I mean, it's almost a shame, although I go ahead and take my check, but it's almost a shame to get paid to have this much fun. I said almost. I enjoy the ministry. 
I mean, I used to hate people. Now I love people. I can't, I can't help. I, I fed a homeless guy tonight. I found this homeless guy, and I thought he ought to eat. He wanted me to buy him alcohol, and I said, I will not contribute to the delinquents of minors. He, he looked at me, and I said, eat. Anyway, there's, there, you know what? There's people everywhere. Aren't they? They're everywhere. And you're going to go out there, and, and they're going to challenge your call. You're going to challenge your call. And you need to stay in that place in your relationship with Christ so people can tell that you've been with him. The people you lead need to know that you spend time with Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? I get emails and calls even since I've been here. Pastor, we, this is going on. I've got a guy that's he's teaching, he's having a prayer class right now. I've got this. While we're doing right now, there's people praying for you right now while we're speaking. I believe that nothing should ever happen unless it's first prayed about and sought God about. It's awesome what he does. And how he brings all the right people in. And, we, and so we, we, we pray and we pray. And, and then, you know, we don't just pray. We get up and we do something about it. You see, neglecting your time with Jesus will show up just like spending time with Jesus. It will show up. You know how I know it shows up? I know that in the ministry you can get busy and you can do your, oh, I've got to do my devotions real quick in case somebody asks me. I was thinking about that one pastor that he named his boat the Word. So when people would call the church and ask for the pastor and he was out fishing, he, they'd say, well, he's in the Word today. I like that plan. <laughs> it's tough in Michigan because if you're in your boat in December, you're in trouble. You ain't in the water, I'll tell you right now. Yeah. Your time will be challenged. And you'll find yourself getting so busy. And I know for, I wish I could tell you that, there were, that I was so faithful to always spending all the right time with God in the ministry that I, did, that I should have, but I didn't. And I can tell you another thing. I caution you, make sure you take care of your family. A lot of pastors lose their children from the church. You know, I love it. People say, well, you know, the preacher's kids are the worst. And I tell them, well, that's because they hang around layman's kids. <laughs> that's right. But I can tell you what I know. If they can't get to you, they'll try to get to your wife. Or your children. You think everybody in church loves you? They probably don't. They'll challenge your call. But I can tell you, even some of those people that can be really mean, if they know you've been with Jesus, they're scared of you. There's a word for you. They're just flat as scared of you. Because they already know if you've been with Jesus and they try to come up and do something, Jesus, you might just back up because he's going to zap them right there. <laughs> he will. Amen, Pastor. Amen. That's right. You see, it's important that we don't try to build momentum in our life and then just float along in momentum. A lot of pastors have. And a lot of pastors fail. Momentum cannot carry you through Consistent daily walking with God so that people know you've been with Jesus is the only thing that will help you stay successful in the ministry. They asked me before I was ordained, what is success to you? And you know the answer they're looking for, right? That's not the answer I gave them. 
My answer to the ordination board was this. When I stand before God and I hear those words, Enter thou good and faithful servant, that is success. Anything else is not success. We can look at the size of a church and go, oh, ooh, no, no, it has nothing to do with the size of the church. It has to do with whether that man's going to end up in heaven or not. My purpose is that I have to always remember that God didn't call me to grow his church. Every pastor wants to have growth. I, I love it. There's guys pastoring these. They pastor in a smaller church. And they go, man, Jim, I wish I could pastor your church. I said, what would you do with it? Well, I don't know, but I'd sure like to pastor it. So it sure seems easy. I said, <laughs> Can I welcome to my world. I average between 60 and 80 hours a week, folks. I'm trying to cut back to 60 on a regular basis. You don't have to do that. Kerry Willis only works 42. I sat down one day with Kerry Willis, ate breakfast, and said, say what? They're paying you too much money to work 42 hours a week in a church of 1,400. Be careful. They will use you up, throw you away, and get somebody else. You understand? And your children are so important. I had a, I had a saying, I said to all three boards, I said... They asked me if I had any questions or anything I wanted to say. I said, the one thing I'll say to you is this. Do not put pressure on my children to be something different than your children or you'll have me to deal with. And in my, in my third church, the one I'm in right now, I had a lady, she challenged me on that and she found out she had me to deal with. Those are my kids. I'm a pastor. They're not preacher's kids. They're Jim and Jenny Young's kids. Do not make your children be preacher's kids. They're your kids. And just love all over them. And when they go to jail, leave them in there. <laughs> That's what I did. I didn't bail them out. They asked him, well, what about bail? My son said, my dad will not bail me out. If you had a dollar, he wouldn't bail me out. I said, exactly right. That's called love. Whew. I wanted him out so I could slap him, but anyway... See, God wants to grow his church. My responsibility, and that last part, and I didn't finish it, it should say this. My responsibility is to know him and to show him every day in my life. You get it? That's my responsibility. If, you, if you're not settled in your call to preach, <laughs> I got a guy in my church, I will not send him. He wants to come. I was telling Dr. Ott, he wants to come to Bible college. He don't work. His wife works. He's lazy. And, and I'm thinking, excuse me, come on. You want to go to what? We don't need lazy preachers. Amen. Thank you. We do not need lazy preachers. Amen. And we don't need guys that work themselves into the grave either, but I'll tell you right now, you know, we've, I, we've got them on our district. They, they sit at their desk or they do whatever. They fish all the time. Nothing wrong if I love to fish, but I'm going to be honest. Jesus called us to fish for men and fish too. Although you can use fishing for a ministry. I'm just trying to figure out how yet. Okay. All right. So here's my question. Has your call already been challenged since you've been here? Have you settled the issues? It's scary sometimes, isn't it? It is. Especially when you get closer to the time you know you're getting ready to go out there. And I just painted this picture. It says there's people out there going to chew you up. 
Now, you might get one of those churches that just everybody just loves everybody, and they're not like that at all. <laughs> Good luck with that. I've never been in a church anywhere. There's at least not one of them somewhere. But God loves them too. But they'll challenge your call. But if they see you've been with Jesus, it's huge how the outcome comes. In my life, I've been blessed because I spent some time with Jesus. Those times that I don't, my attitude got bad, and it showed up right away. You got to stay where they can say to you, Sir, ma'am, we wish to see Jesus. Amen? Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Hey, I took, ooh, I took more than my five minutes. Sorry. I'm not, really. I, I just, you know what? I love people, man. I do. And don't you love people? Amen. Not yet, but you will, right? Here's what I want you to do. If you're here tonight, just for a quick second, if you're here and you know you're still wrestling, you know, you, you've settled the call kind of, but it's been under, it's been under a, attack, and, and you just need to have somebody lay hands on you and pray for you. The Bible done a lot of laying on hands, don't you think? Mm -hmm. And there's some great godly people right here that if, you'll, if you want to come around this altar while they sing and let them lay hands, let, we need to lay hands on y'all, and we need to pray, because when you get ready to go out in the real world, oh, by the way, you're in the real world, aren't you? <laughs> this is your practice right here. This is like basic training in the army. Amen. Father, right here in this room, there are men and women who have, uh, and online. Lord, it's not easy for them to do it online either. They still have to study. But those that are in this room tonight, they might be right here going, man, I was about ready to give up. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that voice that says, pack up and go home. Listen to that voice of Floyd Perkins that says, oh, Jim, you can do it. I believe God's called you, Jim. You can do it. And if you're here right now and you want us to, I think it would be great for us to lay hands on you. Take about two minutes. You come and you kneel and pray and we'll pray with you. These professors will and Dr. Graves. and uh, I believe Dr. Graves has a, a pastor's heart and he wants what's best for you all when you leave this college to do something awesome for the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Can we gather around here and pray for these? Can we do that? And some of the professors, and if you're here and want to help us, let's lay hands on these, these men and ladies, and, and let's just pray that God will anoint them. You know, the Bible said they laid hands on, and they anointed them, and they went out, and, and God done a great work in their life, didn't he? Father, tonight as we pray, as we've laid hands on, we've done exactly what your word said to do. It said, when the time comes to do ministry, find seven men full of the Holy Spirit. Anoint them and lay hands on them and pray for them and send them out. And tonight, we already know the Bible College is not the easiest place in the world to be, but it's a necessity for us to be the best we can be for the kingdom of God. 
And I would ask right now, Father, you would so anoint each one of these men and women that have nailed to this altar that that anointing would flow through their lives and when they go to work tomorrow or when they go back to class tonight, people will look at them and go, what's different about you? Oh, we wish to see Jesus. Can it be so tonight? Can it be so in the lives of those? And maybe some that didn't come and kneel that, you know, right now they're just, there's, there's been pain in their life and hurt and they're struggling with things that they just don't understand. I pray tonight, God, so fill their hearts and minds full of your love and your compassion and, and your assurance if it's you that's called them. If it's not, then Lord, let them go home and do what they got to do. May your anointing be real tonight. And I thank you for the privilege that has been given me to come back to my alma mater to give the word. And I pray they've seen Jesus in me. And we honor you in your precious, wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you thankful that uh, God placed a call on Brother Jim's life? Um, had lunch with Jim today. I got a low dew point, Jim. I, they're they're kind of used to it by now, but um, and and I heard his story. Reminded me of, of, of the way Jesus operates. And Jesus called them out of their fishing boats. And they followed him. And they changed the world. And Jesus called this man out of the oil fields. And he's using Jim as an open vessel to change the world that he's been called to. You understand that? It's all about being open and willing and allowing God to use you. Amen. Um, you know, it's a story of, of so much of what NBC is about. As, as I look at our pastors serving all around the globe, really. Some that I've had on my district as a superintendent. He was very honest with us tonight. Uh, and I would add one thing to that. Is that if God calls you, He equips you. It's not a. It's not a. It's not an easy road. And Jesus told us that. Jesus told us it wasn't an easy road just to be a follower of His, let alone to be one who leads and shepherds the flock of God. There will be wolves. There will be bears. And those of us who have been around it all of our life, we can name a full of, few of those wolves and bears. But God has a way 
of putting his great big arms of love around his servants and giving us the capacity to love beyond what we can love in our own humanness and to have the shield of faith around us so that we can serve in a way that literally changes the world. It's not anything to be frightened of. But it's all about being faithful to the one who calls us. And this man is a faithful servant of our Lord. Would you like to thank him for coming and being with us each day? He loves people. He loves pastoring. And already he's thinking about people he's going to see when he gets home minister to. That's what it's all about. And I've, I'm so thankful that God's called you. Amen. <laughs> uh, I need a replacement. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, there will be a time that, that you're going to talk about a Tom King, a Dan Powers, a Terry Lambright, Jay Ott. Alan like in the same way that this man talked about Floyd Perkins. That's right. Amen. You see, we're in this thing together. Amen. Amen. Dr. Grimo back there, when you're leading singing some Sunday in a church, you're going to remember how he touched your life. This is a great place to be. Amen. And we're thankful for what God's doing. Now, some of you, what are you teaching tonight, Dr. Powers? Intro to the New Testament. You guys, do you, you know how blessed you are to be able to go back to that class tonight? I mean, what, what do you teach tonight, Dr. King? Pentateuch. I just can't imagine the privilege of sitting in those classrooms. I just can't. You know, I look back, it was all wasted on me. I was just a kid, just put my time in and get the diploma and get out of there. Amen. And uh, <laughs> just to be able to sit and, 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 and I'm taking their time. What are you teaching tonight, Dr. Lamb, right? Hey, good luck with that. Can, can, <laughs> would it be all right if my wife and I joined your class? Here yeah. in a little I, bit. I rode with them today. They yeah. probably should go to your yeah. <laughs> Well. Are you teaching tonight? Not tonight. Not tonight. Am I missing anybody to see? What are you teaching tonight, Dr. Bach and Handel. Bach and Handel. Wow. Is that that candy company? Wow. No. No, that's not, Brother Young. It's, it's a little more advanced than that. All right. Well, isn't it good? Are you teaching tonight, Dark God, or you just came to chapel? Isn't that neat? Huh? I miss anybody. There's Dr. Strike. You just came to chapel tonight, didn't you? And, and Don't you? And next to Jay is the, our sociology. Yes. I'm sorry. And what are you teaching tonight? Sociology. sociology. Who's taking that class tonight? How's that going? Huh? <laughs> huh? 
<laughs> oh, just had an exam. All right. I'm sorry. All right. Thank you, Jim. Really, hey, thank well, you thank for you being for here. And you know, you know, his his district superintendent is in NBC alum. Did you know that? Yeah. He thought so much of 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 Jim Young and and his ministry that that district helped him to come and to share the ministry. And I hope I hope brother Dr. Brown, you're, you're watching on video tonight. We want to thank you. Would you thank the Northern Michigan District for sending him here? Well, we're going to keep praying here, and uh, we'll dismiss you. Go in his peace. Enjoy your class. Have a good time tonight. It's, it's wonderful. God bless you.